0: Welcome, everyone, to another evening of Let's Grow Together with your hosts, Mordechai Weinberger and Harav Nissen. So it's an honor and looking forward to having you guys asking your questions or your comments, anything along the mental health field. Forgot to mention, I'm also a social worker, so we want to, along the mental health field, and we will, Merit Hashem, be able to, with Seyata Deshmayat, take your question or your comments. So the number to call in, we'd love to take or get some questions from you, is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, and looking forward to taking your question or your comments. There is a message that we were sent, that we sent over here, and it's as follows. Hi, Mordechai, thanks for your shows and for your hotline. I'd like to know, I feel sometimes a need to be understood, and to even try to convince others to feel and think like me. Can you please explain what this comes from and how to get rid of this need? So one of the issues when we got a text message, as we know, is we have no idea what's really going on. It means we don't hear your sentences of you speaking it. We don't hear your your tone. We don't I can't even ask you what you're referring to. So let's just try to if we can make an assumption As to what you're asking So again what we'd prefer to get is questions Those to call in live 718-683-5858 718-683-5858 If you call in now, Mertesim We will be able to take your question right away So the question that you're stating over here is That when you say something You feel sometimes the need to be understood And you try to convince others to think like you And you want to know where it comes from So I will take several guesses, but one of the guesses, it sounds like this is a self-esteem issue. Self-esteem issue means that you feel valued and cared for when someone takes care of you. That means you feel, or when someone agrees with you. So if someone says you're right, then you feel great. If someone disagrees with you and tells you you're wrong, if you don't have a self-esteem, then what happens is you start feeling, that's what's wrong with me. Why is it? that you're disagreeing with me. And if you don't have a self-esteem, you go, if you disagree with me, that means I am worthless. Because if you would agree with me, or if you would think I'm of value, you would automatically agree with me. Now, do we notice the faulty reasoning, as we call it more in the CBT language, the logic, the loose logic, that means if you hold hold I'm of value, then you will always listen to me. If you hold I'm not value, you will never listen to me. What does your value have to do with people listening to you or not? In fact, if you have two healthy people with a healthy value, one at times will agree with each other, at times we won't. But it doesn't mean I think any less of you. But for someone that might have a self-esteem issue, they think in those terms. So that can be one of the issues that can be happening. We've got over here a caller, and we're going to be going to Mrs. H. Mrs. H, you're on the line with Mordechai and Haravnisim.
1: Yeah, hi. Is it me?
0: Yes, it is you.
1: Okay, thank you. I really enjoy your phone line. It's a pleasure listening to it. Now, I have a question. I teach teenagers, and I had a great class last year. I really enjoyed them. I enjoyed teaching them and everything. And this year, I have a class, an average class. I mean, they're very sweet, but I'm still attached to my students from last year. I see them in the hallway, just wanna, when I hear a teacher complaining about a, a student, I would gladly have a student sit into my classroom and teacher again. Yeah. How can I detach?
0: Okay. Well, first, what would you say? Is this your second year teaching?
1: No, this is my fourth year, in fact.
0: Your fourth year. And what did you do the other years?
1: Of my, between the first and the first, it was a transition, but not as great as this one. Mm-hmm. I had a very deep connection with my students last year.
0: Yes. Now I, I appreciate your question, so I'm gonna ask you another question and this is going to give you a lot of insight about yourself. What did you like about this class? So if this is now your fourth year teaching it means you have three years of experience, what did you like about this third year over the first and second year?
1: They were a Gishma active class. I, I like active students, they always participated I don't know. I can't explain that. I walked into the classroom. I felt a certain, a certain atmosphere. I didn't have it. I didn't. I don't think I had it in my first. So a certain understanding.
0: Yes, yes. So let's understand that. Recognize what you like, what you like, and what intrigues you, or what gets the best of your skills going. Which is when we put the, our best in a class, or when a class is using our best that we have. We cr- it creates a connection and even love. So, what you like is a class that they can start getting you stimulated. They can start asking you questions. They can participate. They will live the information. Correct?
1: Right. And they they also like they didn't they knew exactly what is going what's going to instigate me everything. They they just knew it. They just knew me.
0: Now. They knew they, how to please me.
1: They they just knew what's going to get me angry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're saying is that what the class learned to read you means there was a connection. They understood, you connected with them, they understood what you like, they understood what you don't like, and therefore it was able to have a class, an interaction, a connection. Right. Now, what I would like you to recognize is that, yes, it is very true that it depends on the class, but I would also like you to recognize that it depends on you as well. So that mm-hmm. means it's I know I need to
1: let go, but certain students, I, I,
0: I have like you a to real let go. deep. We're cl- not there yet. I'm not asking you to let go. I'm not asking you to let go of the other class. Actually, it's not what I'm saying. You see, you want your answer.
1: Okay. That's
0: not what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is, before you're going to disconnect from the old class, first connect to the new one. Which means, if your focus is, I've got now this new class. They've got to learn my teaching style. They need to learn what I enjoy. They will get to see, uh, you will reward when they start behaving or when they ask the questions, when they're engaging the way you would like it. And then you will also be teaching them what triggers you, what you don't like, what will bring down the energy in the room. You will Mm -hmm. teach that. Forget about now the old class. I'm not talking about disconnecting. Don't disconnect it from the old class. That's a separate subject. We're first focusing on let's deal with this new class.
1: Yeah, but I find with like, my new class, they're very sweet, but they, they try to please me. But in the process of trying to please me, they so disappoint me.
0: How many weeks are you teaching in this new class?
1: Uh, at least six.
0: Mm-hmm. How many weeks did it take till you liked the other class, the original last year's class?
1: <laughs> Quicker. I would say four weeks.
0: Excellent. So you liked one in four weeks, and this one, it might take you eight weeks. Now, imagine if every person, since you're an adult, if we would make decisions based on the first four to eight weeks that something happens. And as you know as an adult, that many times the more work you put into something, the more you would relax or the more you would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is instead of focusing on why you can't disconnect from the old class, you're going to stop thinking, I need to connect with this class. And what right. can I do? How can I get them engaged? How can I teach them the rules? That is where I would put a focus on.
1: Right, I, I I so try. They they come like the previous year. This class had no structure. I didn't manage them too well. So now I find it's a very hard adjustment. So I find myself being, I, I I'm usually so positive, and I give so. Now I find myself being negative. Like if a student does something, I try with a positive first, but somehow during in the meantime, I'm so I'm sometimes like sarcastic or negative. Even if I don't want to, like, I have these three hard kids who I I remind them once and twice, and by the time that I, when I need to remind them for a third time, I'm all frustrated. And at that point, um, not frustrated, but, like, how many times do I need to remind you? I, I somehow become negative, and I find that's what brings the entire atmosphere down.
0: Okay. So let's understand again that I first would like to read you a message that one of our listeners has just sent. I think it's beautiful. This lady sounds like a great teacher who's sincerely devoted to allowing her students to gain the most. They're lucky to have her. She is a true example of someone whose devotion doesn't stay in the classroom. So that's okay, beautiful thank to you. hear.
1: No, really, it's my goal. I want to connect to my students. I just, I don't know what's right. wrong.
0: But let's recognize what's going on. This is almost like you're jumping the gun, slowing down. What's the rush over here? What's the pressure? You want to, you, you spend. Eight, nine months with a class, you got the connection, now you're in the now you need to start the whole new process with a new class. You're going to find this yearly, this challenge, this battle. This is a normal yearly challenge. And you're you're having too high expectations. That allow yourself to give yourself two months to connect. Allow your old class to connect to the new teacher. Allow this process to happen. It's like you're not allowing process to happen. Mm-hmm. process means that the Rav Nislam has created six days of work, one day Shabbos, we've got to relax. You can't speed up two days' work or six days' work in two days. You can't make Shabbos do three Shabbos in a row and work three weeks straight. There's a process. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to hear, of Nissen. what do you say?
2: I have a question to to this uh, beautiful teacher. That You remember how you started last year with this class that you very admire right now? How much effort you give to them? And oh truly, like that's it's probably the. It I it only remember like,
1: like, like the end of the year. I okay. don't remember how he struggled okay, in the that's beginning.
2: Exactly, that's exactly the point. You right now sitting on the top of the mountain, the queen of the queens. You had the beautiful years, and you got this. Instead now to start all over again and build again, give the same effort that you gave last year, and boost yourself. Just get out from the the the, the glory that you had. And build it again. I think it, you, the, the you student in the class, the new class, deserve it. And you, definitely. As a teacher, as this is my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Let me just ask you one more question. I have a. I find, like, the thing that bothers me most is this class is extremely expressive. Now, I don't mind my students are expressive. I actually appreciate it. But in the while, they, like, whenever they voice their opinion, first of all, when they're not asked for their opinion, they just voice it. And it comes across so chitzed Now, I know that they're not trying to be, uh, it's, it's just a way of express. it's not, they're simply not aware of how to deal with authority. Again, in the previous years, the teachers did not manage them too well. So, they like, today I even had it, like a, a model student, she just raised her hand, uh, we were doing writing, and we were done with writing, actually, and she raised her hand, she said, um, I want to do writing for, I, I just want to do writing for another half hour, and so the girls were, like, nodding, like they didn't want to do it, so she was like, they can do math, we can do writing, first of all, I didn't ask her for her opinion, that's just one, one example, right, I get hold
0: on, let's hold on, your question is simple class behavior. That's right, it but it's, the entire, it's like an extreme. No, no, it's not. Hold on, hold on. Class behavior. Learning how to control the class, learning how to teach the class <gasps> your rules. That's it. So
1: how can I teach a class not to say whatever they That's, think? I never had
0: this. Class management. The class management. And the older students you're going to get, the more normal this is. They become more an individual. They have opinions. This is very normal. Very right, but I never
1: had, like, classes voicing it as as they do. Well, then,
0: mazel tov. Well, then that's the beauty of what we call experience. Experience is the more you do something, the more you're going to see out there. No, it's, it's normal, and you're just going to learn, take a course or two, and you'll be able to do it. I also want you to realize something that they say, like, I go along the same issue with you. Is imagine I've got several clients a day, one client who working several months or almost even a year, they understand the work, they get the question, they're aware of their issues, and then I have a new client coming in Aww. right after, and that person isn't even aware when I go, Oh, that sounds a little obsessive, or that sounds a little controlling. They go, Why? Well, and then we gotta start from scratch from one. That is exactly what it means when we continuously work and do things.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. So what you're saying is something I need to adjust.
0: Yeah, and not only learn to adjust. This I promise you, Martin, This will happen year after year, because the last year's class had a different teacher that had their structure, and now they're coming to you with a whole new set of rules. They're used to last year's structure. Maybe mm-hmm. last year's teacher valued and appreciated someone raising their hands and sharing their opinion. Now you mentioned last year's teacher didn't have experience, but let's have, oh, or didn't have class management skills. But let's simply right. go to a, a teacher that does have, but has their rules. So this is every year you're going to meet new people with new ways for it to happen, and you're mm-hmm. going to, to learn to teach this new class. It will take several weeks for that to happen.
1: hmm And can I? Do you have time? If I just tell I'll you, short? I've like got
0: three, four people waiting. Uh, okay, sure. More air time. So I really appreciate your question, and now it's time to go to the next one. Okay, we're sure. Thank
1: you. I really year. appreciate. It. Keep up your great work.
0: Oh uh, thank you. Thank you. Go to Mr. Y. Actually, uh, Miss, we'll Miss, go to him.
2: Miss, Miss, so- R. Mi- Miss, oh. Miss we'll go with
0: Miss R. Miss R. am oh, sorry. Okay, we're gonna go to Miss R, and someone asked me if we can dedicate this program for a refuah shleima for Chayamalka Bas Bacheva. Chayamalka Bas Sheva should have a Rafua shalema. Okay. Amen. The Meherah. Amen. Okay, Miss R, you're on the air with Mordechai and Haravnisim.
3: Yeah, hi. Um first of all Thanks for your hotline. And I My have a question. pleasure questions. and honor. I, I can't fall asleep at night. I always stay up very late in bed. And I want to know, like, what could I do, like, to fall asleep faster?
0: Well, we first need you to, first, how old are you? Let's see between 10 and 15, 15 and yeah. 20, 20 and 25. Which one?
3: 10 and 15.
0: 10 and 15. So, are your parents next to you on the phone?
3: Well, whatever, yeah.
0: Do they give you permission? To call? Yeah. Okay. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well,
2: definitely, yes, sure. the permission.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. Good. And now, let me ask you, when you can't fall asleep at night, is it because you are worried about things, or is it because you're no, not No, I just,
3: I don't know, I'm bored. I never have to think. I just can't fall asleep.
0: Is your mind racing about a lot of thoughts? Not really. Uh huh. What are I you busy? So. I need more details. If you can give me some details, you said my mind is thinking. I need to know what you are thinking. I'm purposely asking you the details. What are you thinking about?
3: I just keep on thinking what what I should think about because I know what to think.
0: <laughs> I'll tell you what. I think we need more one-on-one time or someone to speak to you more guidance because I need more details. When you're thinking about what thinking, are you doing exercise before? Are you get waking up late at night? Are you thinking about what your head is thinking about something? Are you worried? Are you, I, I would need to ask more personal questions. All right? And, so I won't. I think we should go to the next caller. I appreciate how brave you are for calling up.
3: And also, but, my, my sister has a question. Does she have to call in? or?
0: No, she, she could to... ask because we weren't able to take your question on air. So let's go ahead. Let's take your sister. What's okay. your sister's question? Hello. Yeah, you're also brave in the family. Wow, yes.
4: Yeah, thank you so much for your hotline. I really enjoy it.
0: My pleasure. And let's thank her, Nyssen, for making it all happen.
4: Okay, thank you. And I have a question. I have a very hard time with public speaking. I'm actually really nervous now.
0: Uh-huh. I was going to tell you. And you I want to know, know that, how, how I could speak on. It's amazing how you're able to speak on a radio. You should appreciate that. And you took it straight from your sister. So that's one, two, three. That's very mm-hmm. impressive.
4: So I want to know how I can stay calm. Like when a lot of times you have to do public speaking in school. I want to know how I can stay calm in such times.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd first like you to recognize, and I'd like you to change words, that so you don't have a problem with public speaking. Let's make a shift. People
4: that I get really nervous.
0: Let's let, me, let me finish my sentence and so you'll see what I'm talking about. An issue with public speaking are when those are so nervous that they can't do it. If you're nervous and you can't do it, that's still called a normal issue with public speaking. means most people are nervous and because of their nerves they're not able to do it. If you are able to speak publicly and be nervous, you're already five steps ahead of the other people. <clears throat> now, what I'd like you to know is that speaking publicly is a fear. It makes sense, and you're supposed to be afraid. I'll tell you why. Some of the fears that you have when you speak publicly is, I might make a mistake, and everyone will see my mistake. I might forget what I have to say. My voice might crack. Other friends might laugh at me, which is especially something that happens when you're young, or let's say when you're students, which means other girls will laugh. They're sort of immature. When you get older and you're more mature, then people don't do that. So these are all real reasons for you to feel and for you to have some of the fear, let's say, or some of the nervousness about public speaking.
3: But
4: how can I calm my nervousness?
0: That's right. So now let's go to the solution. First that you understand, I want you, for the first part of our speaking, I want you to understand you're ahead of others. Can you realize that? Not saying you're better than others. We're not comparing you. What we're saying is most people that are afraid of public speaking will not speak. So that's what
4: happens a lot of times to me. Because I'm really afraid, I don't raise my hands in school because I'm scared or I'm too nervous.
0: Yes. Now, notice how you're able to speak on this radio, on this program, and you're so confident. I'm sure that if you're afraid to raise your hand, let's say out of ten times, you might raise your hand five out of ten. But other friends probably raise their hand only one out of ten or two out of ten. I want you to recognize that. Can you value that and appreciate yourself? Okay. Good. So number one, what you've got to be saying is, wow, I am brave and I can do public speaking. It's just that I'm very nervous. Change the words. The words that we use are very important. Saying I can't do public speaking is meaning I cannot do that. You can. And the biggest proof is you're doing it. Now let's go right. to the next step. And then I want to hear of Nissen's take on this, so I'm just going to give you my short version on this, and that is the ways to overcome the tension is by doing it more and more often, which means you push yourself, sort of like the exposure therapy type. You'll raise your hands twice a day no matter what, and even if you make a mistake, and within two to three weeks, you'll notice how much easier it is. Step one.
3: That's very
4: true, and a lot of times I'm very nervous before about as I'm talking, I'm not really nervous. Like now That's I'm much calmer right. than before.
0: That's right. Now, so let's understand that. So number one is that do it more often. The more you do it, the easier you'll get. That's number one. Number two, for you to be able to tell the nervousness and speak to the nervousness and saying, Baruch Hashem, if I'm nervous, that means I'm growing. That means I'm doing something out of my comfort zone. When you do something out of your comfort zone, it's normal to be nervous. So let's say you're comfortable asking in questions to your class with your teacher, then there'll be a principal that will give a lecture, and you'll want to raise your hand. You'll be nervous again. That means you're going out of your comfort zone, and then you might uh, have one.
4: But most people's comfort zone are much bigger than mine. They feel much uh, more comfortable.
0: Don't, do no, no, stop, stop. Those what I call the universal lies. I call those the lies of the world when we start comparing us to others. You'll probably find out three or four girls that. You raise don't their think it's true? Them. No, I, I actually very strongly believe that it's not true. I don't believe most people have the guts or the strength to call up onto the radio. Now not as an attacking form that they don't have the guts, it's just very scary and you're so natural in it. Therefore I believe you probably raise your hand more than eighty five percent of your class. All you're focusing is on the fifteen percent, those three or four girls that raise their hand more than you. That's my belief. The way you're yeah, the way you're asking. So I would like you to tell the nervousness saying that whenever you're nervous, you're alive. And for all of those of you listening that have questions that wish you would call in, know that all you need to do is call in. I'm not telling you to call, but take that step. Do whatever public step that you feel is needed. And if your heart's beating, you're healthy, you're normal, and you're alive. I can tell you in my life all the time that I'm moving, and the fears and the tension that comes along with it. Haram so what do you say? Because you do more public speaking than I do here on <laughs> the radio <laughs> every day.
2: Believe me, I know this, um, I think every every show when starting, I myself I pray to God that will give me the right and answer the right knowledge, right speaking. Because it's not, it's and the art is pumping even with, without even you want it. But this is really, very natural. It's something that is, that's the whole idea that we are going to express our feeling, our expressing knowledge. And I think that uh, I say about 85%, I would say 90%, in the ninety, because the, the statistic on a caller to the radio, on a thousand <coughs> listeners, only one caller. So you are oh, very, very privileged and very brave girl that you have uh, the confidence and to do it and i don't see any problem that you participate in a class and maybe maybe just uh, you have to just rep- not don't be so lazy and uh, review a little bit the answers a little bit uh, once more time and you will be much more uh, uh, you know careful and uh, secure by, you, by your answers
4: so how can I stay calm when I'm nervous before the
2: public speaking? Just, just say to yourself as I say, the, the the nervous, you're lying. I am confident. I am sure. I know what I'm know I'm doing, and that's it.
0: So
4: I talk to myself and tell yes. myself that it's normal. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Self talk. Yes. Okay. Self talk yes. yes. is so powerful. Yes.
4: Okay. Thank so I'll you.
0: Try it. And are very very brave of you to call in. Yes.
4: Thank you so much for for all the work you put into the hotline. I really enjoy it.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank the number you. to call in is 718-683-5858, 718 and we are going to go to Mr. Y. Mr. Y, thank you for holding. You're on with Mordechai and Horeb
2: And I want to get permission from the parents also.
0: Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Y, you're on. Yes, yeah, thank you go for ahead. taking my... What's your, what's your question or comment?
5: Yeah, um, it's called. I I have shachas in Shiva, and like I feel that shachas is a big pressure for me. How would I like make it not such a pressure? There's the principal going around giving tickets and asked to come, and it's a big pressure. What do I do?
0: Can we understand more? What's the pressure? The pressures are the principal gives tickets. And,
5: and like I have to, to dive I it. it's like I feel huh. like by Machamarv I don't have the same pressure that I have by shachris.
0: Alright, let's understand. What's the pressure by Shachris?
5: It's like the um, principal going around giving tickets and if I don't get the tickets I have to waste my whole resets by going to him and say why I didn't get it.
0: Oh, if you don't get a ticket, means if you weren't there for shakurs, then there's a punishment, and there's a... Yeah, attack? like I have to
5: waste like 45 minutes just to wait on the line to talk to up the principal.
0: You mean why you didn't go?
5: It's not that I don't go. If I don't, down like, it's like kishmat. It's like I have to waste my whole recess for it. How do I make it? It shouldn't be like such a big pressure.
0: Ah, now let's use the word responsibility. Of course it's a pressure word. Let's understand what the word means. When we're all born little babies, we all have a need that we want everything and we don't like to pay the price. When we're adults, we see unfortunately many times too much the price and therefore we're afraid of doing things. We're always focused on how hard it is. And during and what we want to learn as we learn through as we go through life is the balance between having responsibility, something that we need to do, but yet feeling the fun in the process. And sometimes when you need to pay the price, when you do something wrong, to just accept it as part of life. This is just how it goes. So let's take this to your concept. Going to Shachrus is a huge schut. You get to dive into the Rabbi Nishleim, you get to dive with other children, the Rabbi listens to the tefillahs. Of i saying I also
5: have to wake up like 6.30 to make it to the bus and...
6: That's think. right.
0: We're going to get there in a moment. We're going to get there in a moment. So davening is a huge chos. But what happens is when you're young and also for many, many, many adults, we like life that it should go our way. It means we want to stay up late. We want to be able to get up late. We still want to be able to do everything in the morning and then still make it on time to work or on time to cuddle. And that's not how it goes, which means responsibility means... If you go to sleep late and you still have to wake up at 6.30, then you're going to be tired and it's going to be hard waking up.
5: Then, it's not that, because I wake up every day and it's like I go to sleep pretty early to make it to the bus. I'm saying still, it's like, I still have this tired feeling and like right by breakfast like they, after right after chakras I feel it's that, it's not the same tiredness. So what is it that's making me tired and it's like a pressure together, so it's like really... I would say it's a big pressure, but I'm not if I don't have the same pressure.
0: Okay, well, is there a punishment if you don't have a mincha Are there tickets being given out? No. That's right. So can we recognize that maybe what you're saying is that I'm going to change the answer because you clarify and I want to give you a lot of credit for that. Notice how you're able to be assertive and to still stick to your question. So when I answered the question twice and you're clarifying that I really didn't get the part that you're referring to. And you stayed, and you asked it again, and you clarified it again. So let's see if I got your question right. Your question is that it's not the tiredness, it's more the pressure that you might lose your lunch or your recess because you didn't do well enough, but yet when it's Menchai Meirev, where you don't have that knas, that punishment, you don't feel a pressure.
5: Exactly. Now what so do I do? So is the
0: with... issue more the pressure when there's going to be a knas, when, there's a, when there could be a punishment?
5: Yes, that's what it is. But how do I make sure that's not such a big pressure, like to get the tickets and not? It's. It's. I don't remember being late one day since we had chakras, but like every time I don't, I wouldn't get all the tickets because like I wouldn't down with such enthusiasm. And it's like it's like it's different. It's it's not because it's not on time.
0: Sure, I got you. So let's take your question even a, to a step further where I work with a lot of kids, and I'd like to hear what Avnison says about this, but I'd like you to hear. I've got sometimes kids, when they come to my office, what they would tell me is as follows. You know, I have such a strict rebbe, such a strict teacher, they could sometimes yell or they can give a punishment. And then I ask, do they yell often? No. Do they ever give you a punishment? No. So what's the issue? But they gave others. And children especially, when I say children, I mean kids like you. I don't mean like little children, like three, four-year-olds. I'm talking about, I don't know how old you are. I'm making the assumption that you're between nine and 13. So what, what is happening is what, many times you're very like emotional. And I don't mean the word emotional, like you feel a lot. What it means is that you're aware of a lot. And if you're aware that if you don't get a ticket, you might have to apologize. The principal might be upset or the mazgich might get upset at you. You're already feeling afraid like an authority like you did something wrong when we walk around with a feeling of fear or that we can be attacked or we're wrong we're afraid what will he say even though he might be very nice until you know do a little better or i right, saw so you tired this morning or it's 3 days in a row it, uh, please try to down with a little bit more kavana stay by stay in your place more look inside whatever it should be why you didn't get the ticket but there's a lot more of emotion that gets put into it the then reality
5: Exactly, it's so,
0: like, it's like, yeah.
5: like, like that. It's like not basically. It's like basically that I have to apologize and do like comments. It's like really a big pressure for me. I don't know why.
0: Well, how? What would happen if you can tell yourself that it's okay, that it's allowed to, and it's normal to go to a mashgiach? I'll give you a cute example. Someone once told to me, and that was a major shift several years ago, but told me, living in New York, you've got to know, and that means if you have a car, that you're going to be getting about $500 worth of tickets a year. Look at it as a tax. Just the reality is you're going to go to the meter, you'll forget it once. You put in the money and you didn't get there till the end. You forgot to do alternate side parking. Living in Brooklyn means, or living in New York, means you're going to get $500 a tickets. Now, either you're going to get upset then the cop just got there and I missed it by two minutes. Or you could just know that this is normal. It's about a shift. How are you going to look at it? Can you look at it that the yeshiva knows that boys will, your kids still, they know you're going to be going to the mashkiach. You know you're going to go to the uh, twice a month, minimum or on average. And therefore, when you go, it's okay. It's normal. If you only went once this month or if you only went twice in two months, you know you're ahead of the game. How would you feel then? Instead of looking at it as a punishment and you did something wrong and I'd a perfectionist feel much calm. Lot.
5: It's like I would feel it's only two times but like over here it's like it's like basically every second day that's like that I don't really get exactly the tickets. It's like I feel it's like a big pressure because I have to wake up six thirty and even if I wake up six thirty I don't get all the tickets. Not every day.
0: Well, then, if it happens every other day, here's the next step where I'd recommend that your parents get involved. I means your parents go down with you, or they call up the Mashgir, and you start clarifying if it's every second day that you go to the Mashgir or to the Manal, we want to know why. Is it that he does it with most boys, or is it just that there's something that you're not getting, and then it makes sense why you should have a pressure, because if every second day it's almost like you're getting punished, you won't enjoy Shachras. You're going to be afraid or hesitant or dreading to go to Shachras. There might be something that you're doing that the mashgiach is telling it to you several times and you're still not getting it. And maybe you need your parents to explain it to you for you to hear it. But to go every second time is also not regular. Rav Nissen, what would you suggest?
2: I, I think that uh, you have uh, quite a few uh, different issues here. That uh, First of all, I think that uh, it's, it sounds, sounds a little, <laughs> that the boy is very sensitive and I believe that uh, also and i know i saw a lot of boys other boys that care about uh, other friends you know that you know don't get and you know don't get so much ticket and all this and the idea that when we uh, I, this is more more calling to the to the rabbis over there that when we coming to teach our kids to to davening it has to be with a bigish you know with something that uh with cheshek and uh, and not with fear and maybe trying to work on this issue again i i don't uh, you know as the boy has to to realize this is life and he has to is uh, to work with uh, you know that as as you say about the tickets, and uh, and, the and don't give yourself an uh, excuse i know that six thirty is as as early and so go a little bit early earlier and it's tough to go with the bus and how long is the trip on the bus?
0: How long are you on the bus till you get to Yeshiva?
5: Like a half an hour.
2: And during the bus, you're sleeping, or what are you doing in the bus?
5: I'm like not sleeping, I'm like looking out the window at my own seat and minding my own business, nothing much. I I don't have enough time to sleep for half an hour that it's gonna make me like rest up completely. It's not I, gonna really help me.
2: Let me tell you something maybe in this half an hour, then you sleep, try to think about. How great, how lucky you are that you are a Jewish boy and now going to Daven for Gibbonoshulam, Kadoshbahu, our Father in heaven. This is our opportunity to talk to, to talk with him and see look look at different. You know, you're not Daving for the for the prices, you're not diving for the ticket, you're not Daving for the mashgiach, you're daving for yourself, diving for your parents, for the for, for, for your classmates, for call claal Yisrael. Look at this and see that all your world is will turn up and down. You know, look at this that as as a gishmak. and then if they got the bonus, got the bonus. You don't pray for this uh ticket. You don't pray for for for, for a pad on the shoulder. You pray for yourself, for your parents. This is the idea to look about about how to davening. So I like, I heard that like plenty of times from my parents also,
5: but the thing is like I I feel like that it's like even if I'm down for a college it's still a pressure that the tickets it's like I'm trying to down but like on the other side of my brain I have a feeling that I'm not gonna get all the tickets and I'm gonna have to waste my time. Um I'm going to the principal about the tickets. So what do I do? Even it's it's not exactly that it's like uh, that I'm I'm down for a ticket.
0: Okay, I'll tell you what. I think now, I think we gave you the rough ideas, and I think anything now, maybe your parents should get involved a little. You know, speak to the mashgiach and help you out. It might be a simple way, but I think speaking to the mashgiach himself would make a big change. It's now your parents need to get involved a little. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. You're very brave and you're very clear. Excellent. Do we have Mrs. Z still on the line? Yep. Hello? Miss. Hi, Mrs. Z. You're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissim.
7: Yes. Hi, good evening. Is that me?
0: Yes, it is you.
7: Hi, thanks for taking my call. I have an interesting question. I am a stay-at-home mom, as I would call it. My kids are basically in yeshiva and school. And I enjoy being at home. I enjoy cooking, baking, being on the phone, and all that. The problem is that my husband is home a lot also during the day. He doesn't have such a structured job. Like it's more at his own time. It doesn't require him to put in too much hours either, and he's not such a structured person. So he could be home during all the time of during like many hours of the day, and he basically expects me to be available for him, and I would say, give him the time, the recognition, attention, or whatever else he needs, or any help that he needs around the house, or whatever it is. My question is, what is the fine line? Like, when am I to, when am I supposed to? be available for him. When am I allowed to be on the phone and take care of the phone I'll let
0: you take this over, because I'm going to say some controversial stuff after. So, Harvnissen, what do you say to this?
2: Uh, I'm sorry. I just was in a phone line. Just, I'm sorry. Oh, okay.
0: I'm sorry. Basically, what she's saying is she has a husband, Baruch Hashem. She has children, and the children are in yeshiva and in school, and she has time off during the day. And her husband is in a job that he basically doesn't have to be he doesn't. He's not out of the house. He can come and go whenever he wants. He's home a lot of hours during the day, and he wants a lot of her attention, a lot of her time. And what's her role?
2: Some ladies are open to this, but I, I think I know that the feeling. You know that uh, basically breaking the territory of the of the the lady. <laughs> this is uh, something that's uh, it's tough. I think it's tough. I think that uh, I, maybe you can you can create kind of. Uh, a borderline between and tell your husband. Listen, this is a time that uh, you are here and I, I'm there, and I think that each each person needs his own, uh, I would say, territory and the four corner. And uh, I, I feel it also myself when I come to my wife's kitchen, and uh, it's not my territory. So sometimes she get upset about it. So I get back up. So something that it's to explain the husband, I think though, that. That what you're feeling about it, and try to work together.
7: I find it uh, also that, like, if I let's say I'm on the phone, sometimes it could even be said a principal or some important phone call, and that's when he walks into the house, and that's when he wakes up from his nap. And the minute he's in her, he wants my attention or my help or whatever. He'll just make me get off the uh, phone. He'll just say, "I'm here in the house," and now, like, look at me. All know, right, I need your I'm help. I'm going to get
0: involved now, <laughs> and I'm going <gonna laughs> to be a little that. controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be very clear. Husbands do not belong in the house from about eight fifteen in the morning till six thirty seven ish. Period. Even if you're in coil and you need to rest in the afternoon, you do not belong home. You hear this from the hanhalos. You hear that from everyone that deals with shalom and the reason is not because the husband is infringing in the wife's time, because the husband needs to be using your time on be on your own. Not that you're home. The wife's role is not supposed to be around in a home all the time to be there for you. She's got other jobs to do, and you cannot do that with someone there. I don't care who and what you are. I don't care if you have a spare room and you lock yourself in a spare room. doesn't matter. If it's that simple, then go to your mother's svarum room. If it's so easy, go to your parents' house. And How does that feel when you're in your parents' house being there? What would happen if you tell your mother, I'm home now? Now, yes, husbands and wives need time together, but you set up a time. It means it could be once a month that you'll be spending a lot of time together in the afternoon or evening times when it's set up. There's a time for that. But just like anything, if you do too much of that, you choke it. That means husbands need time with other men and being busy with them. Husbands need to be having jobs where you're busy and you're working and you don't have time to be thinking about what the wife or what's happening. You're supposed to be busy. Those cases where the husbands are home, understand that you're not the unordinary. You're not someone that, what's wrong with me? What you can choose to discuss if you're strong enough to tell your husband this from 8.15 until 6 o'clock, I am now taking a different role. I am taking the role of mother that I need to clean, mother that I need to speak to principals, and individual times. When I could do once a week or go with my friends out or something else, I'm not there. We need different times. We're not 24-7 with each other. Imagine the wife, imagine the wife tells the husband, I'm going to work with you today because I just want to spend time with you. Has anyone ever tried to work with a wife sitting right over there? How would your husband like it if you're going to go with him to shachris, And then if he's talking to someone, stop talking You're to Hashem now. I'm right over here. How would he like it? How would he like it when he's resting and you're busy in the room saying, no, no, don't rest like this. You're not resting the right way. Well, that's what he's doing during your time. Now, someone is asking over here, well, what about the times? Can we set up times when you get attention, where he doesn't get attention, times that's off limits? That's exactly what I'm referring to. However, if a husband's around the house and he's not setting up his boundaries and it's not clear that he doesn't belong in the house, it's not healthy. I very strongly believe husbands do not belong in the house. 100%. Not not on times and not off times because it's going to happen if the husband's there and he needs breakfast or lunch or the wife is making something or she's talking. I just wanted to ask you one question. You ignored me. I believe we need very clear, I know it's controversial what I'm saying, because I know people tell me they're very happy with the husbands and wives there. I'm sure you have that. But I'll tell you, most fights and disagreements and issues that are going on is when you've got that. Now the next part you're going to tell me is, but your husband disagrees with it. Your husband doesn't understand it. Right. And that's now your issue, that you've got to grow and learn how to stop setting boundaries and learn how to, that's a very complicated question. That's not a phone question anymore. That's husbands seeing his side and he's not able to understand your side, and you're trying to set limits and he doesn't set limits and I also hear a lot more i don't want to say- I don't want to say here a lot, but I hear some issues that need to be worked on, and a lot of them is within yourself about being strong within yourself.
7: Uh huh. I know. I never really strongly like put it, put the cards down on the table and told them, you know, I need, you know, just another time that you be long home or anything like that. My question is, and how many times I have you told him? But I
0: need time for myself. Come on. How many times have you told him? But I need time for myself. And He says, okay, okay, and then he's still saying, but I need this and I need that. Uh mm-hmm. How many times? So basically, have you really... yeah, I
7: could. I could tell him nicely, like, from what say, this time to this time is like, as if you're not, like, I'm considering you like as if you're not in the house, or consider me oh, I know, I the... I don't head. want to tell you
0: what to say, because then he'll be upset. What do you mean? It's the right of the husband. I pay for rent. This is my house. Uh
7: huh.
0: That's why I'm not telling you over here. This is several months of therapy for you to learn the healthy balance, for you to uh-huh. be able to say, okay, let's go ahead and speak to a Rav, someone that you respect and I respect, and we can figure it out. The rub will be able to tell him, no, you don't belong in the house, during this time she has a right to say, yes, I will not respond. Uh-huh. No, just making you a simple lunch when you're ready to go out, that you're, not miss- that you're missing this item or that item, and he wants something else, and he wants to ask you a question when you know you've got an hour left to buy something at the grocery for supper or whatever is needed, and you're going to meet someone, that 20 minutes that you spend for him, you'll be eating yourself up every day that he's home, and you'll be feeling you don't have your privacy, or you can't do your stuff, because when does he need it? When will you need to be available for him? You know the question is a lot more complicated than you're asking. I'm, that's why we're doing this as a general question for an awareness. Uh Yes, husbands need to have time to tell the wife, I call you five minutes during the day, but the rest of the day my head needs to be at work. Wives need to be able to tell the husbands. yes, I can make you lunch, or you can come home for 20 minutes, or I can have it on the table, but I need to judge, I need to base my day on what the house needs and including what I need. No, I cannot be around, or when you're around, ask me just this or just that. Yes, once in a while, husbands take days off. Some businesses get an entire week off but it's planned in advance, and that week it's discussed, and they do things together, or two days the husband does his things, the wife does her things, or they do things together. It's not every day. Otherwise, it's, we choke, and this is something that's got major, major difficulties.
7: Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. Okay. okay.
2: I think that... Thank we, you. Mordechai, uh, I think we raised... Yeah. The, this uh, in the conversation raised some question about, you know, I got to get the text... What does the husband have to do when he come home from work and supper is not uh, supper is not ready and the house is mess? No, this is like <laughs> another, the other way. Another question, you know, like relationship relationship between spouses. I think the husband has to come pick up the mess and help the wife to start preparing the That's supper. That's what's got to tell
0: you. There's the famous story with the Rav. I don't remember which one. I'm almost sure it was Rabbi Yaakov R- R- Kamenetsky that they called him up Friday afternoon, The rough, this person calls up saying, I just came home from our work, and my wife doesn't need, didn't even make it the kugel, and the house is a mess. What should I do? And expecting Rav Yaakov to go yell and say, well, your wife isn't good, and you've got to yell, and he says, what do you mean? Take a broom, and quickly, I'll teach you how to make a kugel, and yeah. we'll put the kugel together. That's the now, point. that is... A, that is one great answer, if it happens, and if the wife needs help, and many times our families, that are bigger families, of the wife, something's going on. The wife needs help, and that's what the husband's got to do. On the other hand, and not Chazal to go against the Gadolim, just saying that in going with the Gadolim, but at certain times when I saw the Gadolim also say different responses, and that is if the wife continuously does not get her act to add, get together. She is not learning how to get her act together. Now it's completely the other way, which means helping out is actually hurting her and hurting the family, and she's not figuring out how to do that, which is, again, the level where a husband's got to be able to sit down with the wife on a Monday night, not when it's messy, not when it's havoc, and not when he's attacking her and telling her, look, we need to get the house a bit more organized, and when I come home for supper... So I need supper ready. If you can't have it ready, then please notify me that it's running five or ten minutes later. Maybe I'll have a first, or maybe I'll get myself a little snack. But supper for a husband to come home is, I would say, from the top five or ten important things that you can do in marriage, it's the little things that go a long way. It's just like when the husband comes home and the wife is struggling with something, and not to say, where's my food, or to say, you know what, I'll just take a little bite, but I'm going to put the kids to sleep. Yes, it is the wife's job to do that. But, yes, do we realize how many other jobs the wife has? Next question, do you, the husband, do you give her enough money for the cleaning help if there's a mess? Number two, are you understanding that the house might be spotless till 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock when the kids come home? But if kids are kids, and homework time is homework time, means when you're doing homework with two kids, other two kids will be making a mess. They will be getting into pajamas. They'll be dumping their clothing all over the floor. Yes, you'll have to teach them how to put it in the hamper or to put it away or into the laundry box. But to be aware... There's messy times in the house, and that doesn't mean your wife didn't organize the house. When you've got five, six, seven kids, supper being made, kids crying, it's extremely normal to have a messy house. But if your wife cleaned it during the day, it doesn't take more than a half hour to organize it. If the whole house is to flag in and flying all over, it will take a lot more. But, yes, you have a right to discuss it with your wife, saying, when I come home, I need supper ready. That is the wife's job to be able to handle and to have supper ready. So what do you say to my w- whole little w- speech w- over
2: here? I would add something about, you know, that uh, I learned it uh, many years, you know, that many times we come home from job, from the works, very annoying, you know, you know something with the customers, something with the money, finance, all this kind of stuff, and uh, we didn't eat all day. This is a very, very trigger to the men. Usually when men that angry, is very angry, you know. And he come home and can take all his upsetness on the fam on the wife poor wife or the kids. And I said that i learned a very very good solution. Stay a little bit. Take you know. Stop outside. Take a you know small Danish. Take a cup of coffee. You know before you get in, It will take you five minutes. Two minutes it will come. You know. Stand in front of the door of your house a few seconds and put a smile on your face. And just put everything that you had before, and he said, "My family is not deserve this upsetness. My family is now getting a father and as and and a husband with a big smile. This is a very very big important point to me. I'm telling you that sometimes you get, you know, you we all have a very big difficult days sometimes, you know, and." We have to stop in front of the door and say, you know what? Why should our family will suffer because I had a birthday? Because I could that's Rabbi right. it. Right. Give me now a trial. This is my trial. And I put a smile and go and say, I I Annie, I love you. You know that's yeah. it.
0: Yeah. And I'd also like I'm rereading the message again and I also want to clarify when the question says what does a husband have to do when he comes home from work and the supper is not ready and the house is a mess? He's not using the words that I, I saw consistently, that it's always that way. Then it's an issue. If your wife has supper ready every day, two weeks, and one day it's not once in two weeks, that's normal. Allow normalcy to happen. And then you pick up and you tell your wife, oh, you had a hard day, no problem. I'll run out. I'll go to the corner. I'll buy something. And then you would actually ask her, can I get you something? This is all depending on how often it is. If it's once in a while, you jump in, you save it. What can I do to help? If it's consistently, then we've got to start coming up with a plan for the wife to learn how can she manage the role of a mother and of running a house. But it's extremely important to recognize that the same thing with that wife that called up that her husband wants time with her. Part of it might also be happening that maybe he's not getting the emotional time with her, so he's trying to be around. Okay, you know what? I won't do it when kids are around. I won't do it at the end of the day when you're tired. You know, so I'll be in the house and he has a job that he can afford to be in the house, and she's still avoiding him. Maybe the issue is he's not feeling he's getting an emotional connection, and she's spending time with him. We don't know this, but that's what you need someone else to get involved or to help someone that that will do more work, speak one-on-one, and to figure it out. So, again, each of these questions, they're not black and white when it should be. They're details, and we need each person to go into that. Looking forward to still taking a question or a comment, either about the subject or any one of them in the mental health field. It's number 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And here we got another message, right? Yes, yes, we, we, keep we are got, we got
2: bombarded with messages right now.
0: We're bombarded <laughs> okay. with messages. I'd like if some people would be able to call up okay, and we have, have we their have, voice have, shared. I Mr. guess maybe because it's you, what, about what, a husband-wife issue, people are afraid.
2: Mordechai. let's take uh, Mr. Uh, <coughs> what is his name? Uh, Mr. S. And
6: uh, okay,
0: and Mr. Continue. S, you're on with Shain of Nissa.
6: Yeah, hi, Mr. Weinberger.
0: Yes, how are you doing?
6: Bokashem. Okay, the I really should have called in already a half year ago, Pushed it to thank you, and that's why I'm calling you now. I'm already listening for a half year. For some reason, I just got connected to the hotline, and I listen to the radio shows, and basically mainly to the hotlines. And the, the awareness that you give, it, every single radio show, I can say like at least five lessons, at least.
0: Well, thank you. I'm honored, and I also need to please share with Rav and my co-host, because without him, it would not be the program that it is. I can guarantee you yeah, that.
6: Well, Hashem, and it happens to be I was listening now to this whole conversation, and I was enjoying every minute. And I'm, I, okay, let me just we'll go one at a time. I don't have a question; I just have a comment. And before I'm going to say my comment. I want to just um, comment on the last on the on the last few uh, minutes of this conversation. Uh, you were talking about the Shulamites about uh, being ready or not. So first of all, there's a joke that they say that when a husband comes home and he sees that that everything is flying, the first thing you should do, put on his coat and say, Menche. That's like just for a joke. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but uh, Ravnissam said a very, very, very good point. I was going to say it, and I was happy that he said it, that if uh, somebody comes home after a whole day, of work, before he comes home, he should take a little coffee or a danish like that. He shouldn't have the look the, the the pressure coming home like with that hungry pain in the stomach and everybody, everybody gets screamed at. He should already be calmed down, the hunger pains. Yes. So, my comment is like this. Um, Every day, things come up with, you know, people's lives and B'Buch Hashem growing, and uh, people around me hear your name at least once a day. I always say, and Mordecai Weinberger says like this, and he says like that, and I quote you, can I not? And I was so, today I had a very interesting story in the morning, and it bothered me very much. And uh, I I was thinking, like, what would Mordecai Weinberger say in such a situation? And Sheminesh Weinberger, you touched this topic... Like only touched it for a second. As soon as he said it, I said I'm going to take a phone and calling up. <laughs> exactly. so I learned in the morning in, in 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 bar park, and I double parked my car. And I always thought that if you double parked, you never get a ticket because alternate side, and, and, and Monday and the is Thursday, then, and then, then they look away the other way, the police, and they're not going to give you a ticket. Yeah. And today I double parked my car, and I never, I already have a car for many years, I never got a parking ticket. Never got a violation. I'm very careful about it. And today I get a park, uh, double park ticket. Yeah. And it's an expensive ticket, $150, and it bothered me very much. And then I asked somebody who also was in the same place. He said that uh, the school block, they, they rather give tickets. Like maybe a regular block, they usually don't give a ticket, but a school block, they give a ticket. And I was thinking about it, and it bothered me. And then I thought, like, what's bothering me, the 115 dollars that's part of living in Borough Park, and whatever, you just go to either you pay it or I'll talk to somebody, about next, I shouldn't sit over there the whole day. And then you just mentioned that, like Agav, you were saying about living in, Borough, living in Brooklyn, you know that it's, a, it's part of the life, or you could or be busy with it. And I said, oh, this is really too much. Mom, the same day, ready my answer? I'm, I'm yeah. going to make this call.
0: <laughs> That's nice, Bashar, how the Ruben Shlem sends a little wink from above and just saying, yep. You know, this uh, little message. Thank you. I tell
2: you, when I got a ticket, I said, probably, you know, now it's another cleanser of what happened to me. Maybe I didn't do in good. Maybe I, d- I insult somebody. So this is my uh, paying, you know, korban. I see it as a, as a paying. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, sent me some cleanser to clean myself.
6: Yep. Let me just yep. tell you, t- t- can I say one more thing? Um I, I, I just want to give you a bruch. A bruch is had yet. It, oh, it I shall help me. have a lot of koye for a lot of many years to help people. And the thing, basically, I to tell you is that I once heard from one of the Gedolei, I don't remember which one, that the biggest chesed is, is like one of the biggest chesed to help a person is to do a chesed that the person doesn't even know that you helped them. Like, let's say preparing wow. a stand in the morning, and the person doesn't even know that you prepared the stand. Like a, a chesed that a person so. If you would, if you, you have no idea how many times you help me and my family and people around me and maybe you have you do have an idea but it's it, it, it's amazing like your work is motivating and I've loved you for many many years.
0: Oh I mean, I'd like you to know that I really do appreciate you telling me this because I was recently telling it to some people that people don't know a lot of the guilt that I walk around with and I really do. Because if people would see the messages that people ask me every day, please help me this in this case, in certain cases I'm not successful at, or I'm not that good at, or I'm not able to handle it. And sometimes the messages I get that people are asking, but then the guilt that I still walk around with, even when I say I can, sometimes they take it graciously, sometimes they don't. And there's just, I want you to know that to me, and that's part of my things that I'm working on how to master. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying I feel that broken, but it does get to me. Every comment does, I should say, get to me. and I'm working on it. But no, but you're, it's the amazing. Balance,
6: the the things that you do, the awareness, it's like uh, I'm not I'm right. much more so It's
0: important for me to hear it. When you tell this to me, it sort of gives me that little balance until I learn to master this level. So thank you. We've got about another 30 seconds left. Yeah, I would just like to read one comment and just say I agree with that. Some husbands are so demanding because they do not realize how hard the women work. Kids cleaning, cooking, a man would have a breakdown after a week if they would do what the woman does. I can agree with that. On Sundays when my girls are off and I'm off and I go, wow, one day home, give me any day a heavy OCD, anxiety, depression, any day over being home all day. So I could definitely agree and value and appreciate the hard work that my wife puts in. If I ever forget, just stay home one day and then you see what gets put into a day.
2: No question. Thanks our f- uh, family, thanks our wives, and thanks our g- uh, kids, and above all, thank our God, God you know.
0: That's right. <laughs> and we thank, thank you, Mordecai.
2: We are already behind the
0: time, you know. Okay.
6: Thanks again, Koltus.
0: Yes. Thank you, Arvnissen. Nissen.